Bibles to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Today, we begin a new series called How Will They Hear? This is part one of a new series. Again, How Will They Hear? Everybody say this. Ask this question with me. How will they hear? Well, um, we're going to find out. We're going to find out, and we're going to do it right today. So, Father, again, as we begin to release the word that you put in my heart for this people, whether in this building or watching online today, my prayer is that every single person will hear in themselves first. Let everyone hear within themselves first. Change us, help us, grow us. Uh, increase our ability to interpret what it is you're releasing to us today so that we can be faithful sons and daughters wherever it is that we find ourselves throughout our days. Be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So how will they hear? Well, first of all, let me ask the question, who are they? Who are the they that the they is in this question? Who are they? They are your friends, they are your co-workers, they are your neighbors, they are your family, they are your enemies, they are your, um, the unknowns, the strangers, they are anybody outside of you. They are anybody that is found outside of who you are. In Romans chapter 10, read this with me, follow along with me. Romans chapter 10, beginning with verse 14, reads like this. In the message, I'm going to read it in the message version. You might have to follow on the screen if you don't have that particular version today. It says, how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? And how is anyone going to tell them unless someone is sent to do it? That's why scripture exclaims, a sight to take your breath away. Grand processions of people telling all the good things of God. But not everybody is ready for this. Ready to see and hear and act. Isaiah asked, what we all ask at one time or another. Does anyone care, God? Is anyone listening and believing even a word of it? The point is, before you trust, you have to listen. But unless Christ's word is preached, there is nothing to listen to. I just love that last statement. I love the way it breaks it down in the message. It's, it's true to form. But it says the point is before you trust, you have to listen. But unless Christ's word is preached, everything else is irrelevant. Let's hang on that for a moment. I can hear every news commentator... I can listen to every word that they're saying. It is always good to see you, and I love your expression, and I love your engagement. Tell me your name again. Yes, sir. Todd. Todd. Love your engagement. Appreciate it. But I can tell you that all the news stations, all the commentators, all that they are, everything that they try to do, everything they try to speak, all your friends, all your everything they're trying to say is empty if Christ is not found in it. Well, you know, Steve, how is that even possible? Because, you know, you can't go around all day reading the Bible. I didn't say anything about the Bible. 
I'm talking about the nature of Christ. You don't get the nature of Christ out of the Bible. You get the nature of Christ out of relationship. You find out how to go the right direction through reading Scripture and from hearing His Word. But the nature of Christ is not found in Scripture. That's the map. The nature of Christ is found in the relationship that Scripture points you to. So how will they hear? And if they do, unless Christ's word is preached, there is nothing for anyone to even listen to. You know, contrary to what popular opinion is, I just, again, read an article the other day. Interestingly enough, I read an article, and I'm not going to be able to give credit to whom credit is due, so I'm going to be as broad with this so I don't get in trouble for plagiarism. But um, I did read an article the other day that was emphasizing, once again, how many people no longer go to church, how many people now believe in uh, many gods? How many people are now, uh, quote unquote, not believing in any God? And the whole article was about how the church is failing. How the church is failing. Well, I have to agree. The church, as it relates to a building, is failing, has failed. It failed eons ago. It failed the day that it started. The church as a building. But the church, the temple, as a human being, as a person is not failing. It is still rising up today. We are the temple. Say this with me. Say, I am the temple of the Most High God. Not this building. When you walk out of this building and this building is empty, God is not in this building. He's only present here because you arrived. We talked about that some time ago, so I don't want to get into that deeply again. But to make this point, it's worth repeating. Unless Christ's word is preached, there is nothing to listen to. The word, the they that are out there, they're, again, contrary to popular opinion, people are hungry for truth, even if they do not associate truth with the gospel, or truth with Jesus Christ, or truth with Almighty God, or Yahweh God. They may not associate that, but they are hungry for truth. And they define truth very differently in many, many, many Way. So again, I want to read Romans 10, 14 through 17, make a point. How can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can even be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? How is anyone going to tell them unless someone is sent to them? That's why scripture says, a sight to take your breath away. In other words, it's, it's, it's declaring with an excitement. It is a beautiful thing to see many people, grand processions of people telling all the good things of God. What a sight to behold. That's why scripture says when you see that, there's cause for celebration. There's cause for rejoicing. There's cause for people to put their hands together and say, yes! Or to shout glory. Or to take palm strands and wave them before the king. Grand processions of people telling all the good things of God. But not everybody is ready for this. Not everybody wants to see or hear you or me or us. Woo! God is great. Sing our songs and raise our hands and lift our voices and dance a little or whatever our expression looks like. Not everyone is ready to, for this. Not, they're not ready to see, and they're not ready to hear, and they're not ready to act. They're not ready to make any changes. We get that. Isaiah asked then, 
what we all ask at one time or another does anyone care because when we look around when's the last time you saw back to that what scripture exclaimed that grand procession of people telling all the good things of God (laughs) when's the last time you walked into a place and you were shocked that the conversation wasn't about some new social acceptable socially acceptable issue that's going on or what or that's for or against what you believe when's the last time you walked into the break room and someone was talking about let me tell you what God did in my life let me tell you what he did for my baby let me tell you what he did for my husband or my wife but instead we walk into our break rooms and we walk into our water coolers or we walk into our offices or we walk into fellowship halls or we walk into receptions at weddings or we walk into a ball game or wherever it is that you find yourself your HOA meeting and when you walk in the entire conversation is consumed with all the racist stuff that's going on or all the L-B-G-T-Q-L-M-O-P stuff or all the whatever stuff. It's all about these things. Are those things important? Yes. But without a conversation about God, they become irrelevant. Those things aren't fixed because we talk about those things in the break room. Somebody needs to get what I'm talking about. Those things are fixed because we talk about a God that has changed our mind and our attitude and our nature. And our voice comes into the break room and doesn't say, yeah, I saw that on Fox News. Man, I'm in total agreement. I can't even believe it. I saw that on CNN or I saw that on, on, I saw that on MSNBC or whatever in the world you like to listen to. I saw that there. It doesn't change because we come in there and we talk about that. It changes because we come in and we say, let me tell you what God's answer is. See, the reason that doesn't happen is because most people can't walk into that room and have any, they have no idea what God's answer is. They filled their mind so much with the hatred and the anger and the madness and the everything else. They have no idea what God's saying. They've forgotten how to forgive. They've forgotten how to move on. They've forgotten how to believe in themselves and believe in what God created them to be. Is anybody hearing what I'm talking about this morning? They've forgotten that the answer isn't in what man can do. The answer has always been what it has always been and it is always going to be that God is the answer. That the, the relationship with Christ is the answer to whatever ails you. He's better than a spoonful of honey that makes the medicine go down. He's God. He's God. You need to hear me today. He is God. How will they hear if what we do is go in there and tell them and engage in the same conversations they're having when the Father all along is saying, if you would just go in there and tell them about me and tell them how I would fix this, it could change the entire environment. (laughs) But most people aren't going into the room talking about that. They're engaging in all of that stuff because of this what Isaiah said how are they going to do this father they don't do it because I'm convinced they don't really know you if they really knew you they would know the answers in you and the answer isn't in our vitriol the answer isn't found in our display of anger and disappointment The answer isn't found in our sense of unacceptability. We're not accepted. 
The answer isn't found in that engaged conversation. The answer is found in finding out, Father, what would you do? What would you have me do here? And he says, not everybody is ready for this. They're not ready to see, they're not ready to hear, and they're not ready to act. And Isaiah asked again, what we all ask at one time or another, and that is this, does anyone care, God? So when was the last time? I'm just asking the question because I really want to awaken it. I want to alert us to our moments that we're given. Because I'm going to tell you something. You got a moment yesterday, and you had a moment the day before, and you had a moment the day before that. And before you go to bed tonight, you're going to have another moment. Maybe another moment more than that. Maybe three or four moments before you go to bed tonight. You're going to have a moment. What are you going to do? When you walk into that moment, are you going to say to yourself, this is what I'm going to do. How will they hear? I'm going to ask myself, how will they hear unless I tell them? I tell them what they need to hear, not what they expect to hear. Am I going to walk into that room and when I hear or I walk into that moment and I'm exposed to that moment, do I say to myself, does anyone care, God? Or do I acknowledge that people really do care? And because they haven't found the right answer, they're just taking the easiest answer. The right answer isn't what man's looking for. The right answer is what God gave us. And He gave us a way to walk in. And if we will walk in it, we will find life in it. But if we walk in our way, if we walk in our frustration, if we walk in whatever it is that we're going, nothing's going to change. In the world out there, there's a world out there. There's people that are hating and they're killing each other and they're hurting each other of every kind, every color, every race, every political affiliation. I got a letter yesterday in the mail. It said this. It was from, I didn't know who it was from. It was one of those hidden letters. It's one of those letters that you just think, do do I throw it in the shredder or should I actually open it? But they make it look official enough where you have to open it. Just in case it's a check. (laughs) That's the only reason I ever open it. And I opened the letter up. And it said, as a registered Republican, we've lost the record or something of your registration, could you please fill this out and send it back so you could be re-registered? And I said to my wife, I said, first of all, I'm not a registered Republican. I've never been a registered Republican, nor am I a registered Democrat. I'm unaffiliated because I'm not interested in what one is doing or the other is doing. I'm interested, who does anybody have eyes to see and ears to hear? And who gets the closest to that? (laughs) But the Father, He's not interested in our affiliation with what politics the earth is playing. He's interested in, are we affiliated with Him? And if we're affiliated with Him, when we walk into our moment that's given to us, when we walk into that moment, I'm going to come into that moment and I'm going to say, is anyone, I'm not going to say, is anyone listening, God? I'm going to ask myself, how will they hear? And I'm going to have the answer for that. Dakari, you know what my answer is going to be? They're going to hear from me. I'm going to sit down at this table right here where they're sitting at, and they're talking about all that, and I'm going to bring a different perspective. I'm going to come in as the woman at the well. And I'm going to sit down at that table, and I'm going to say, so tell me, where did that come from? Well, you don't know. And they give all their statistics and all their stuff and all the whatevers. Have you ever considered that the Father has a different plan? If the moment is ordained 
for you. Own it. Keep in mind that you weren't created for the moment, but the moment was created for you. He put the moment in the space of time, knowing that you would arrive there. And Isaiah said, does anyone care, God? Is anyone listening and believing a word of it? The point is, before you trust, you have to listen. But unless Christ's word, unless, everybody say unless. Oh my goodness. That disqualifies so many arguments, I can't even begin to count them in a moment. Unless Christ's word is present, there is nothing, nothing to listen to. All of the other stuff is just a bunch of rhetoric. It can be said with 100% certainty, not a single person arguing a single point politically, racially, LGBTQIA, whatever it is, has a single understanding of what they're talking about. Not one. Because every root of their argument was born out of the mind of man. It's possible you could be challenged by what I just said to you, but you would be denying scripture to do it. Because unless Christ is preached, nothing else holds weight. Unless Christ is preached. That doesn't mean you go to the table and say, Oh, your feelings aren't real and those emotions aren't real and shame on you for feeling. You don't do that. Because those feelings are real. All the hatred that's out there, those are real feelings. People are really dealing with that. People really believe that we're trying to kill each other. People really believe that everybody, I'm not, I won't get into the details. You know what people believe. They really believe these things. So you can't just go in there and say, oh, those are fake feelings, and I hope by the end of this break you're, you're done with that. But every single person that's alive today is only alive because the pneuma of God, the life of God, the nature of God, the presence of God, the revelation of God, the truth of God is present in them. He pneumed them. He breathed into them his pneuma breath. And when he did that, there's a call within us, deep within us, no matter where we come from, no matter how angry we are, how mad we are, how happy we are, how disappointed we are, how whatever we are, whether we're unforgiving or forgiving or whatever it might be, no matter how much we find ourselves in the middle of all of that, the truth is this, that when you get to the table, when you get there, when you get there, every single person has within them somewhere deep inside of underneath of all of that stuff, underneath all of that, there's something inside that says, all I want is to really know the truth. I just want to know the truth. And Isaiah said, do they really want to know? And he said, they will not get truth without Christ. There is without his word present. There is nothing to listen to. So the first part of this today is this. Recognize your moment. Recognize the moments that the Father's giving you when you walk out of this building today. Your moment actually might be, just might be, and if you're watching online, your moment might be the person sitting right beside you right now. See, 
The person sitting right beside you right now, I would hope that it's not true, but the person right beside you right now might find their identity in anger. They might find their identity simply in keeping the moment alive. So your moment could be beside you or in front of you or behind you. But the moment's coming. So the first thing I want you to be aware of today is recognize the moment when you get it, Austin. Because a moment's coming to you. And when you get into that moment, you never go into a moment because you have Christ and because you know, you know, the gospel has changed my life. You never come into a moment with an arrogant spirit or an arrogant mind or an arrogant heart or a pompous attitude. You never come into the moment and say, if y'all just knew what I knew, because their feelings are real. The emotion is real. But we come into the moment and we recognize, you know what, what the Father did for me, He can do for you. And I'm going to believe with you that somehow it's going to change and, and, and anger is going to be the small thing in your life and rejoicing and celebration suddenly is going to rise up. As you begin to recognize that this is really in the hands of God, if we could just get it out of the hands of man. You hear me today? Another question, does anyone care? How can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? How can they hear if nobody tells them? And again, Isaiah asked, does anyone care, God? Is anyone listening? You know, there's this thing about going viral. I, I, you know, I still don't get it. But what is the number you have to achieve to go viral? Does anybody know? Is there a number? Is there a secret number on social media, YouTube? What is it? A million? 500,000? When does it actually go viral? When, it, when you get a certain amount of viewers within a certain amount of time? Does anybody really know what viral is? I do want an answer. So it's in ratio to the medium. So a YouTube video that goes viral is measured by a different metric than something on Facebook or TikTok based on the users and what that reach really is. So viral for YouTube is different than TikTok or Snapchat or whatever all these other... <clears throat> So it's defined differently, though still a little bit of... If something goes viral on Netflix, it's different than if it goes viral on YouTube because Netflix has so many users. So it's a ratio of users that see it. So now, the question would be, and perhaps we need a mic, Tim. Come up here with me, Tim. Uh, So help me engage. Sure. So what, what, so people, I know this to be true because I've, I've heard it, I've heard it said. Sure. The dream, the hope is that people, when they create a YouTube page or something, they want it to go viral because that gets them the attention. Is that correct? Correct. So what steps do people take to make something go viral? Say I'm going to make a YouTube video of two minutes long and I'm going to, I want this to be viral. What, what is my objective? What is my goal? How do I create something that's going to make... And then today I'm going to do it and test this word. Well, so many would argue that if you set out to do it, you'll fail. How do you make a hit song? You're asking the wrong person. Oh, no, sorry. How do you make a blockbuster movie? There's a, an X factor that you can't quantify. It's a lot of pieces that come together that make the sum of its parts. And if it was something that you could recreate, everything would be viral but then that would defeat what viral would be. That, I don't know if you followed that. So what viral is to me, something, and this is very simple, 
It's something that's so good that you can't help but share it. Amen. Dismissed. <laughs> so that's, that's what I think viral is. When you cannot fight the compulsion to go, oh my gosh, my brother would love this. Point made. Thank you. Well done. Oh, wait, wait, wait. So, but to be viral, has it ever been true that something has, has gone viral in the privacy of one's own world? In other words, if I did something, is it possible that it can go viral and I'm the only one that knows about it? Um, I'm not sure I understand your question. It, if nobody else knew it, if I did a video and no one else oh. knew about it, it was my own video, it was on my computer, it wasn't even online, is it possible to go viral? No. All right, that's all I wanted to know. Thank you. <laughs> well, wait, so... <laughs> so, I'm not a doctor, but my wife's a nurse, so I'm going to lean on that little borrowed credibility. A virus by nature, what going viral means is to act like a virus. So, by the nature of the definition of a virus, I mean a virus could exist in one person. But for a pandemic to occur, which is, I think, what a going viral really is, it has to be spread. Does that make sense what I'm saying? It does. And it's, 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 it's only a, what do they call it when it's like national? When the disease is national, it's not pandemic until it's, glo until it's worldwide. Oh, right. So what is it when it's national? Epidemic. epidemic. Right. And then there's a pandemic. So I don't know in the borrowed terminology of going viral what that would be. And it would, that would be a whole other study. But... The idea is that you could have something that's viral to you, but it's not, it hasn't gone viral until it's spread. Hmm. Well, what do you do with that? How can they hear? How will they hear? Doesn't sound like there's going to be an epidemic or a pandemic until I get what is in me outside of me. At some point, what is within me must get outside of me. A gentleman said to me this past week, he made a comment to me, and he said, I'm, I'm praying, he said, I would ask <clears throat> that you would pray, or I, I, actually, I don't remember if it was an invitation to join with him or not, but it was a statement that said, the only way revival is coming is that we pray for revival to come. We have to pray that it will come. Revival is going to come. And I said, and, and I was with this gentleman, and because I'm not his uh, pastor or apostle or whatever you want to call it, um, I said, and I, but I, his was present, and I said to him, I said, well, I would like to uh, give you my perspective, but I can't do this without the permission of your leader. And because this, I'm under the authority in this, in this spot. And he said, yeah, yeah. And I said, so I would like to give you a different perspective of that revival that you keep praying will come. Scripture is very clear. It says hope deferred makes the heart sick. In other words, hope unrealized makes the heart weak. Weak. And that's the actual better interpretation. Hope unrealized. What I'm hoping for never occurs. So my heart becomes weak. It becomes soft. It becomes, I feel lost. I feel like it's never going to happen. So I said, there's a scripture that says hope deferred or hope unrealized makes the heart weak. And I said, so what you're telling me is that you're hoping 
for revival, just like generations before you have, have been hoping that a revival will come, have been praying that a revival would come, have been declaring that a revival indeed is coming, and that's been going on for certainly as long as I've been saved. I'm 56 years old. I've been in ministry for 33 years, and I've yet to see revival in the way that they describe what they're praying for. And I said, so your perspective is that you're, you're praying for it. I said, I'm going to give you mine. Mine is this. You can stop praying for revival to come. Because revival will not come to you until revival is present in you. Until there is a revival within you, an awakening to who the Father really is, there is nothing to infect anybody else with. There is nothing to extend to anyone else. And I would say that that is probably true, Tim, in the likes of going viral with this gospel. He asked the question, how will they hear if someone is not sent or if someone is not, if we are silent, how are those people in that break room that I keep returning to that are talking about everything worldly that is real, the subjects they're discussing, the arguments going on are very valid, very real subjects. The problem is the answers, everyone, no one has proposed the correct answer yet. So they continue to rehearse the issue over and over, coming up with laws and regulations they think will fix it, never will, because they never have. If they would have fixed it, they would have fixed it a long time ago. The answer is not proposed in hoping that this will do it, but it's laying hold of a word that did it a long time ago that has somehow gotten lost within ourselves. Does any of that make sense? So the nature of Christ, revival isn't something I'm looking to come. Revival is what's going to come before it comes to me. It's going to occur within me. Before healing comes to you, it's going to happen in you. Before you see it on the horizon, you're going to see it in your own life. Before you see deliverance down the road, you're going to see it in you because you've laid hold of something. And then that thing, when it becomes alive in you and it becomes alive in me, can I say this and attach this to what Tim said? It will then go viral. You know, here's an amazing thing. Right now on Facebook, there's a lot of people, I don't know how many people are watching us on Facebook and YouTube and all the, we got like five platforms that we're on. So I don't know where you're watching from, but I can tell you right now on Facebook, we have almost 10,000 followers. Almost 10,000 followers. You know how many of them I know? You. You. That, I'm not taking anything away from anybody watching that I've never met. I love that you're watching, and I love that you follow us on Facebook, and I love that you're in tune with what's going on here. But I'm going to tell you, you don't get to that place where 10,000 people are watching because we're hoping something's coming. It's because something is present here that has drawn you in. Now, I don't know when that's viral. To me, that's viral. I don't know. I'll never know 10,000 people. I, I, I do my best to remember everybody's name in the room. But what I know is this. They will not hear unless I find within me the voice of God that says, this, these are the words that I want you to speak in this moment. Now, I want, you, I want to read this with you. In Matthew chapter uh, 28, everybody say this with me. Say, doubt does not disqualify. Okay, here is where the pedal 
Yeah, the rubber meets the road. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> that was terrible. How, the pedal never meets the road. How did I even get pedal? Stop it. Stop it. Y'all were putting that in my mind. Shame on you. Everybody say doubt <clears throat> does not disqualify. But yet it does, doesn't it? Yet it does, doesn't it, in our own minds. We get into a situation where we're not confident, where we have some doubt about something, we, we begin to immediately disqualify ourselves. We get into a conversation, especially if it relates to the things of the kingdom, and many people that would walk into that moment that they're given would not engage that conversation from a kingdom perspective simply because they don't have confidence in what they know about the kingdom. But I want to read something to you today, and I want to give you some insight, and I hopefully bring healing to who you are and what you believe about yourself and what you know and what you don't know. It doesn't matter if you're a scholar, you find yourself, or you feel like you're in the scholar category of Scripture. It's irrelevant. Or if you're in the new beginning category and you don't even know the books of the Bible, that's fine. I want to help you today. I want to bring healing to you. In Matthew chapter 28, starting with verse 16, it says this. Now the 11 disciples went, this is after the resurrection of Christ, by the way. That's why there's 11 disciples, because one of them is stuck in a tree. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Everybody say, but some doubted. Wait a minute now. Wait, wait, wait. Let's just wrap our mind around that for a second. So 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them to go to, via the Marys, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. When they saw him, they worshipped him, yet some doubted. Wait, wait, hold on. When they saw him, they worshipped him, yet some doubted. Hmm, gotta, you know, you just, just wrap your mind around. And then Jesus came and he said to them, in the middle of it, he rec- don't think for a second he didn't realize, what? You don't think it's me? Does anybody else glow like this? (laughs) When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and he said to them, he said, listen, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I want you to go right now and I want you to make disciples of all nations. This is called in in the context of the church world, the Great Commission. He said, I want you to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. This has nothing to do with dunking someone in water. This has everything to do with becoming absorbed into the nature of Christ. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We do baptize in water, by the way. I just thought I'd interject that. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Wait. Let's lay a hold of this. Let's read it one more time. Now the eleven disciples, and I want to wrap it up with this. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And he directed them through the Marys that came and saw that the tomb was empty. And then he met them and they spoke to the angel and they, and he, they received instruction and they went and told the disciples. So this is what the resurrected Christ said. So there was an awareness that Christ had already resurrected because he sent Mary and Mary to go and tell them. So, hey, listen, we saw the Christ. He's resurrected and he wants to meet you in Galilee. And when they saw him, when the disciples, the 11 disciples saw Christ, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, the challenge here would be, if I take everything that we, have, we, we think we know about faith, would be that, well, if they doubted, 
then there is no way they're demonstrating faith. If they have any doubt whatsoever, I can't count on them. Listen to me. There would be an assumption here that if there is doubt present in any of the, let's just say three of them, three of the 11 disciples doubted. So we've got, how many were 11? Uh, eight, uh, 11. So eight, eight disciples <clears throat> are in there and they're like, whoa, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You have resurrected from the dead. What is your instruction? We worship you. You are amazing. You are the son of God. Indeed, every word you ever spoke has come to pass. And here you are in front of us. The resurrected king. And then three of them are, yay. (laughs) And one of them leans over to John. Are you sure? While his hands are in the air. Yay. Are you sure? This is the Christ. Yes. Yay. Leans over to Peter. One of the others. Because I don't know who doubted. Are you sure? This is the Christ. Yes, worship him. Yay. And all the while inside of them there's this. I'm doing it because they're doing it. But you know what? Really, I saw you die. I saw you die. I was there. They took an eight foot spear. With a ten inch point and shoved that thing into your side and I saw the blood and the water flow I saw the thorns on your head I saw them nail drive nails through your hands and through your feet I watched them raise that cross drop it into that six foot hole and when it hit the bottom everything jerked ripped your hands ripping the the, the tendons and muscles in your hands and feet I saw it when they went to break your knees so that you would be dead before sundown and didn't have to because you had already gone and you committed your spirit to the Father. So while I'm worshiping you, I have to say at the same time, I'm saying, but wait, I can't get past what I know. I cannot get past the visuals that I have in my eyes, the wars, the battles, the arguments, the fights, the, the, all the stuff, the, the things that occurred. I can't get past everything that's in front of me right now, but I'm lifting my hands and I'm worshiping you, but there's some doubt in me. You've got to understand there's something in me that says, is it possible that it's not you? And I love what Christ's response is. I love it. Because he walks up to them and he doesn't say to the eight. Again, I'm using that number loosely. He doesn't say to the eight, oh, you, shh, my watch is talking. He doesn't, will you take this? He doesn't say to the eight, I have a word for you. I have a commission for you. And give it to him. And then go to the three and say, oh, man, you were that close. So while they're eating and drinking of the glory of the Lord, I'm sending you to the dark side. He did not do that. In the middle of eight, surely you are the Son of God. Everything that happened 
we witnessed and saw. Surely you are the son of God. And then three, with their hands, worship, however they worshiped, maybe it, you know, half-hearted dance, worship, whatever, however they express their worship. Waiting for what came next. Jesus went to the 11. Didn't even skip a beat. Knowing which worshipped in truth. In which had doubt. And he went to all 11 and he said... Thanks for coming, guys. All I needed to know was that you'd be here. And the fact that you arrived is enough for me. Go, therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. He said, what I needed to know was not whether or not you doubted. Your doubt, three of you, does not disqualify you. <laughs> Listen to me. Your doubt does not disqualify you because you still came to the table. I'd rather you come to the table as a doubter than stay away from the, the table as a denier. So the word... The word to them was your doubt, and my word to you this morning, is the same word he gave to them. He never said these words. He simply ignored the fact that doubt was present. But he acknowledged the fact that sons had gathered. And he said, you came to the table, therefore I trust. Now go and do what you were created to do. How will they hear? If I don't send you. And sometimes you'll be sent with doubt even in yourself. But if you'll come to the table and be prepared for the moment. I'll let you know what you need to say. And I'll make you ready for the moment. Do you hear me today? How will they hear? Because you're talking. How will they hear? Because you're demonstrating. How will they hear? Because no matter what. You think, no matter how much doubt you have, is God really in this? Should I be a part of this? No matter what, if you find yourself before him and he has given you the moment, own the moment. Because your doubt does not disqualify you. What disqualifies us is when we refuse to accept the moments that he gives us. When you come to the moment... Don't give that moment what Babylon is looking for. Give that moment what the kingdom created for it. Amen.